What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 141, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Avenger 2.0. I would just like to point out that it is not Avenger 2.0. It is Avenger 2.0. Yes, 2.0. And so... (laughs) Because we can make these types of errors in the uh, in the title card, it's fine because we're an independent podcast. We're not paid by MGM or by Stargate Command or by anybody else. No, no, no. Uh, if you would like to support the show, you can do that. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Tears, privileges. One of the privileges that you get is access to Patreon first stuff. Like Zach and me, we do, uh, we do, what do we do? Stargate Second Chances, where based off of your votes, we rewatch certain episodes and talk about them again. Sometimes give them new, no, we always give new ratings. Sometimes they're different than what we gave them before. Uh, what's really fun with that one so far is that I can't remember my specific ratings. I don't know, Zach, if you can either. I doubt you can. So when we re-rank, um, it's it's fresh ish, right? Like we've seen the show, but uh, you know, like it's these are new thoughts, these are new things. So the, so it's 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 pretty fun. It's a lot of fun, indeed. Uh, Zach and David, also David, good friend of the show, uh, quasi showrunner, producer of the promos that we have. Uh, Zach and David talk about spoilerific things that I'm not allowed to listen to with the other side of the gate. Uh, I think that there is almost almost a date set, almost for the next one, uh, almost almost. It's it's intention, right? It's intention. Impact matters. Intention matters too. The intention is there. We just needed you to have the impact. Avenger 2.0. Anyway, sorry. Those two talk about spoilerific stuff, like I said, so I don't listen to it. I just get the file. I upload it. I don't even look at the text. I just paste it. They could be saying mean things about me, and I don't even know. Uh, and a third thing that we do. We've uh, never said it, anything bad about you, Brent. I believe you, but I also have no way to verify that. So I, I trust you guys. You guys are great. Uh, one of the other things that we do is uh, Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet. Uh, the bet that we lost was that we were like, oh, there's no way that we're going to get enough Patreon supporters to justify a stretch goal. So let's make it silly. Uh, let's watch this non-canonical animated series that everybody hates. Oh, wait. People like us. They, they, <laughs> they, they are consistently giving above that level to the point that Zach and I are just like, we've just we've just today shrugged our shoulders and accepted it. Like, well, we got a plan on having this every month now. So um, that one is a lot of fun. We dropped the first episode of uh, Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet on the main feed last weekend when Zach and I were in uh, in friends' houses playing uh, uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars role playing game, um, our our characters are getting they're getting they're getting they're getting bad. Zach, we gotta. <laughs> you, we, you know, uh, my character might be redeemed, or he might turn he into might. the Emperor. We don't know. We don't know. And my character is um, absolutely taking uh, you know logical frustrations to an extreme to the point that I'm like, I think I might want to have him fall into a lava pit. And just start over. Um, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. So we dropped that first episode in there back when we didn't even have a title. Well, we were running that little competition. So um, that that pilot episode of a sort didn't even we didn't even know there was going to be start uh, uh, Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet. But that's the one. Uh, so, yeah. So um, 
uh, tiers, privileges, things. Uh, if you don't want to support the show or cannot support the show, both are fine choices. You don't have to worry. All of that Patreon first stuff does make it to our main feed, as I just mentioned. Uh, we tend to pop it in when we take breaks, as I just mentioned. And uh, if you have a friend or a family member or an enemy or a, an acquaintance or a stranger, I think that basically describes most relationship type things. If you have someone that you say, you, person, you need more Stargate podcast content in your life. Here, listen to Walking Through the Stargate. You can tell them that they can find us on Google Play Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and my personal favorite, any podcast aggregator. Um, I haven't tried them all, but you know what? Pretty confident that you can use any reputable podcast aggregator and find our show. It is there. So, speaking of Patreon, though. Yes. Zach tells me that we have a new patron on Patreon. Yes, we do. Uh, we've got Eric. Thank you, Eric, for signing up and joining. And uh, hey, listener, if you want to hear me say your name in a way other than, hi, Eric, uh, then you can do so by joining us over at Patreon, walking through the Stargate dot, uh, no, walking through the Stargate dot com is our site. That's going to be Zach later. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate is our Patreon. Now, Zach. Yes, Brent. Before I do my standard shtick of pitching it over to you, I'm absolutely going to take advantage of the fact that I have a microphone in front of me and I do a podcast. You ready? I am ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, Russia, hey, stop it. Stop it. Quit taking somebody else's things. They're not yours. Hands off. Go away. Go away. And people of Ukraine, holy moly, y'all are like, deeply inspirational. I am very frustrated that we live in a world where we can't come rushing to the aid of friends of democracy because there are consequences that look like mushroom clouds. Um, that's stupid and I hate it, but ugh, you guys are awesome. Uh, so uh, I, my little shtick, I'm taking advantage of the mic that I have right now. Glory to Ukraine. You guys are great. Um, Russia, get out of there. Putin, your hands are smelly. Get away. So that's my thing. Zach. Yes, friend. If a person wants to let us know that they think I should keep my nose out of international politics and keep the warmongering to the warmongers, how might they uh, how might they let us know that? So if you share Brent's views or you don't share Brent's views, you can let us know what you think by yes. emailing us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-T-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-T-E. I kind of flubbed that up, but that's because I was, I was say, running out it, of air. Almost. It almost sounded like letters. Almost. Almost. In any case, <laughs> you all know what it is. So you can that's email right. us at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. You can <laughs> You can also follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh mm -hmm. you could even share stuff with us there. Uh that's fine. You can go to the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group. Keep your comments there about Stargate. If you want to email us about politics and stuff, you can do that. That's fine. But the the the, the Facebooks are for, for Stargate stuffs. Uh or you can go to our website wtts.space. Space and check out what's happening there. The website will get you a link to get you to our Discord, where you can mm -hmm. join our Discord community and have wonderful conversations there with all sorts of wonderful people there. You can also go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate and support the podcast there if you so choose. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, Brent, yeah, I earlier this week... Uh, was finally able to get the February votes 
emails out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you uh, did not receive an email uh, and think that you should have received an email, uh, please let me know via any of those ways to get a hold of us uh, and let me know. So because I'm trying and. I actually talked to somebody earlier this week that I had the wrong email address for him, oh. and we got that fixed and squared away. Uh, but if you think you should have an email with votes, then you should have one. And if you don't, then let me know. Check your spam folders and all of that stuff. Yeah, and the standard uh, things. You know, get back to us uh, and vote. <laughs> and if you haven't voted yet, uh, then go ahead and send those votes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had a chance to tally all of those yet, the ones that have come in, but I will be doing that in the near future. Very good. So, um, there you are. Are you ready, Brent? Because it is the time in the podcast when you and mm-hmm. I dig mm-hmm. into Avenger 2.0. Yes. Let's talk about Avenger 2.0. Okay. Avenger 2.0 is directed by Martin Wood. This is his fourth directing credit this season out of seven. He did Fallen and Homecoming and Revisions in mm-hmm. the past, and he's got a few more later on this season. We have uh, the teleplay. It was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. This mm-hmm. is their third writing credit of five this season. They wrote Homecoming and Revisions. Uh, mm-hmm. They have clearly been paired with Martin Wood quite a lot. Mm-hmm. We have a few guest actors that we do need to talk about. One of them mm-hmm. is the uh, uh, Patrick McKenna. I, th- I was trying to think Yay! of some sort of awesome uh, descriptor adjective for him, and nothing came to mind. It's just he's that big. He's that that he's he's Patrick uh, and the so- absolute McKenna of actors, Patrick McKenna. Ah, you know, I actually know a McKenna in this area, and oh yeah, uh, Patrick McKenna. Uh, is, is, uh, you know, he's Patrick McKenna. There you go. It, there's no way to describe him. Yeah. The indescribable. The indescribable. Patrick McKenna. Uh, he yeah, plays. Super great to see him. Of course, Jay Felger or Felger or Folger. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Uh, we also have Gary Jones who comes back and Yay. plays Sergeant Walter Harriman for us. And we say hello in this episode to Jocelyn Lowen. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. She plays Dr. Chloe Angstrom. I'm assuming mm-hmm. she's actually a doctor. I can't remember for sure. Uh, how she's a doctor. But but uh, she should be a doctor if she's not because she's doing what she's doing. In any case, uh, Jocelyn is an actress known for The Littlest Pet Shop in 2012, Chaos mm-hmm. Theory in 2007, and The Vision of Escaflown in 1996. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know... Any of those? But nope. That's okay. Do I? Uh, she, when you look at her IMDb uh, list of credits, she's done a ton of voice work and has a guest spot in just about every Vancouver show known uh, to humanity. Yeah. Um, her first IMDb credit came in 1988 when she played the voice of Quest Paraya, uh, Paraya, Paraya, Paraya. Not pariah, pariah, pariah. Well, yeah, pariah. but it's 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 Japanese, so it's pariah, pariah, pariah. Uh, uh, but she was doing the English version of Quest Pariah uh, in Mobile Suit Gundam, Char's attack counterattack. Ooh. And here's the interesting thing: as I was looking at that, I'm like, 
I've seen that name before. And sure enough, last week, Colin Murdoch, who played Ardol Hadrig, he was one of the announcers, the speakers there, right? Oh, mm hmm. His first IMDb credit was also 1988's Mobile Suit Gundam Char's Counterattack. Oh, fun. The same episode. Same oh, that's cool. episode. Yeah. Nice. Because this was just like a like a one off thing. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Got it. And I'm like, wow. It's not common for us to have two people in back to back episodes having their first IMDb credit being the same thing. That's true. That's uh, in very fact, true. this is it's so uncommon. This is the first time it's happened. I think that's technically true, but I am recalling that back when we were doing season one. There was a lot of the same shows that kept coming up, obviously, but I don't remember if we had back-to-back moments where somebody's, when one of the guest actors' first IMDb thing was literally the same so episode I, or show. I think that we had a lot of crossover at that point in time, yes. but I don't think we actually yes. hit it with that first no, IMDb credit. Right. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, that's Jocelyn. The original air date for this episode was August 8, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, in the United States, we are boring and still crazy <laughs> in love. Uh-huh. Uh, listening to Beyonce. Uh, it was a smash hit. It's smash hit. It, it was. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting to the point where I'm going to refuse to even acknowledge that it exists until it changes. Oh boy. I know. We, that's how long it's been. We'll see. We'll see. I might. I may, may get pull out my own grumpy old man next week. We'll see. That's fine. Uh, in the UK, they were listening to breathe, and they, that's what you guys are all saying about me when we're talking about crazy in love. Just breathe. It's okay. It's fine. It's by Blue Cantrell, featuring Sean Paul. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember it, but uh, I think I will recognize it when I play it because that's ringing a bell. Ah, well, as we jam out to the dulcet tunes of Breathe, yes, uh, which is probably, definitely, almost certainly something super duper fast paced, like somebody's running a marathon and they have asthma, and so <laughs> Blue is saying, "Hey, just breathe. Use your inhaler. It's fine." <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, well, so while we're listening to this, I want to tell you what was we were watching in the box office. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we probably weren't watching it in the box office. We were watching it in the movie theaters, and yes. it's just talked about in the box office where they make yes. their, their, their tickets and their monies and all of that stuff. Yes. In any That's case, right. number one was SWAT. And so if so, you're having a lot of money in your box off, office and somebody tries to steal your money, then you need a SWAT team to come in there and stop the bad guys. Mm, gotcha. And clearly okay. this is all happening on a Friday because it's Freaky Friday! Oh, yeah, gotcha. You know, I see. Mm-hmm. You know and, mm-hmm. and this is important because there's a wedding, an American wedding on Saturday. Oh. oh. And who's getting married <laughs> but the Pirates of the Caribbean to oh. the Curse of the Black Pearl. They are marrying their own ship. And this is all true because uh, a sea biscuit. Sure. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) That was an A minus. That was that was that was that, that you were that that, that except for sea biscuit that that one actually came together. Well, okay, so so here you go. It's a sea biscuit, right? It's a biscuit in the yeah, sea. And if sea, you get married it. in the sea, then 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 you need to have like like oh. like you know uh, uh, um, hors d'oeuvres. There's the word I'm thinking. There about. are there are twelve <laughs> grades in the scale, and I could have given you a B plus, but I gave you an A minus because that was good work. Okay, all right. Now 
What else was going on at this time? Well, one day after this aired, on August 9, 2003, former New Kids on the Block singer Joey McIntyre weds real estate agent Barrett Williams in New York City's Plaza Hotel. Mm. So. Awesome. Congratulations. On, yep. On August 10, Yuri Ivanovich, uh, Yuri Ivanovich, Ivanovich Melanchenko becomes mm-hmm. the first person to marry in space, marrying Ekater- Ekaterina uh, Dmitriev, who's on Earth. Congratulations, Yuri and Ekaterina. Uh, yeah, Ekaterina. Uh, Ekaterina. They, they got married. Ekaterina. However, yeah, fine, it's fine. It's, however, it's good. Also, on August 10th, uh-huh. the highest temperature ever recorded in the UK occurred in Kent. The temperature mm-hmm. was 38.5 degrees Celsius. And for our US listeners, that's 101.3 degrees Fahrenheit. It that's was, hot. That is hot. It was the first time the UK has recorded a temperature over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. our uh, listeners in Arizona and Texas and the like yes. are yes. saying, oh, how quaint. Yeah, yes, yes, but uh, I, I, I didn't. Uh, I think that I finally experienced the totality of the concept of dry heat this past September. I was in Zion National Park, and it was triple digits, but the air was very, very dry. And when I got into the shade, when the wind was up, I got chilly. Yeah, well, because of the evaporative cooling effect on your skin, because of the you know the things. So, I, 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 and I, I, Kent I, is Kent is not dry. So. I would like to point out that I live in Iowa, and yes. getting to 101 degrees, while yes. not common, is not uncommon, per That's se. That's true. And so I have experienced 101 degree days in the summer yep. without air conditioning, yep. and all you can do is just go... <gasps> yeah, yes, yes. Your, your options are to, um, are to do nothing or, or, or do nothing. Yeah. Occasionally, while you're doing nothing, you mm-hmm. can do a different nothing. Yeah, you could change your position because the sun moved in the sky, but yes. you're basically confined to doing nothing. Yep. And mm-hmm. if you happen to have a fan, you live doing nothing next to the fan. Yes, the fan is doing something, but you are not. No, no, <laughs> no. Speaking of heat, Brent. Oh, yeah. The heat wave that hit Kent in the UK did not stay in the UK. No, it moved. It's a wave, right? It moved along, continuing east, and it hit Paris on oh, August no. 11th. And the heat mm-hmm. wave in Paris results in temperatures rising to 112 degrees Fahrenheit. That's dang hot. That's dang hot. And it was so hot, 144 people died. Yeah, boo. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Is right. Yeah. You know, 101 is terribly uncomfortable heat, but under or you know, barring extraordinary things, manageable. Even if it's not a dry heat. However, oh. that 112, that 44 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Ooh. Oof da. Yeah. Now, also on August 11th, NATO takes over command of the peacekeeping force in Afghanistan 
marking mm-hmm. its first major operation outside Europe in its 54-year history. There you go. Um, I, I, I bring that up because it's, it's important, but also to remind you that uh, when this episode aired in August of 2003, the U.S. was in the midst of a war in Iraq and Afghanistan mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And this actually plays a role in this episode tangentially. Perhaps you noticed that Carter was carrying an unusual gun when they went to Ball's Planet. Yes. Uh, That gun is actually the combination of about three different weapons, and I can't remember which one they are. But the reason she was using that and not the standard P90 is because because of the war in Iraq, they could not get the shells for the P90. Okay, I see. Um, you know, even though they were shooting blanks, and obviously yeah, they're not shooting blanks in the U- in, in in the war, but, but they production for the ammunition. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yep, yep. And so one of the reason that Carter has this uh, Carter special—that's what they refer to it—at uh, <laughs> uh, least when the production staff and such. Uh, was created because it used produced presumably a different shell and such, and just was actually kind of a cool, wicked-looking gun. Um, oh, sure. Um, and, it, and in this episode, when she was using that gun, that was basically the first time that Amanda Tapping had ever had a chance to work with it. So she didn't really quite know how to, you know, turn it on and turn it off and, and like, reload it and all of that stuff. And so she sure. was dealing with all of that in the process of all of this. Yeah. Well, she did she did a fine job with that weapon. Indeed. Many Jaffa were many Jaffa were slain. Indeed. Well, actually not that many. I mean I mean enough. Men men any enough, you know, sure. Uh now, on the DVD commentary when you listen to Martin Wood, the director talking about this episode, he specifically says that this is Avenger 2.0. Oh, that's nice. So, uh, also, perhaps you noticed, uh, and I know you know, that, uh, that uh, Patrick McKenna uh, is probably best known for his role on The Red Green Show, which is a Harold. Canadian comedy show. Yep. Um, and when Dr. Felger gets ready to go to the uh, other planet, he packs a roll of duct tape in oh, his I noticed <laughs> as a reference to Red Green. If they can't find you handsome, at least they can find you handy. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Michael Shanks in this episode only appears in two scenes, and they were all recorded basically at the same time in the tent, yep. and he's on the screen. That's it. Christopher Judge only appears in three scenes and only has two lines of dialogue. Yep. And one of the reasons for this, and, and actually backing up a little bit further, um, while... Uh, uh, O'Neill certainly has more to do in this episode, relatively speaking. Um, they they get him off camera pretty quick in his E2. Yep. For that. Uh, and one of the reasons for this, including, uh, but not limited to, uh, uh, O'Neill's, uh, Art Richard Dean Anderson's schedule being away from the, the place and at home and such, is mm-hmm. that at this point in time in the filming season, they were actually filming three different episodes. Uh, and they had been filming three different ep- different episodes um, for quite some time, and will continue. And so, uh-huh. so this is one of those spots where, while Amanda Tapping is with McKenna 
and and the like doing this episode. Uh, Christopher Judge is off over there doing his episode, gotcha. mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Daniel is doing his episode and all of that stuff. That's kind of fun. Um, so uh, now one thing yeah. I did notice. And I don't know for a fact, because I'm not going to go back and compare the footage quite that closely, but I'm like 85% sure that the scenes of O'Neill shouting into the MELP camera for the past few episodes, maybe I think at least three episodes, I think maybe more, certainly three, I'm pretty sure they're all in the exact same spot on the planet, as in on Earth, as in... I think he ran. I think he recorded all of that in one go. <laughs> I, I think you're probably right. Um, <laughs> I'd be able to tell if I compared the trees in the background. I think, but like that, 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 that angle, his position, him shouting into the camera like that. It just, it just. I get it. It's it's turning into half a trope type of a thing. But on the other hand, and I also get it because I mean, duh, why not? Why why not have him film all that stuff and then there you go. Thanks, thanks, RDA. You're out. Well, have a great have a great time. Not only that, but also you need to have those parts filmed because like in this episode, you see those camera shots in the background of the main characters. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have to have those filmed ahead of time so you can have them playing on the screens in the background while you film. So, oh, right, right, right. Yes. But but more practically, they set up a camera. They put a piece of prop in front of it that looks like a, an extension arm. And then Richard Dean Anderson leans over it and starts shouting some lines. And then he flips the page and he shouts some other lines and he flips the page and he shouts some other lines. And they're like, yeah, we got it. All right, great. Thanks. And that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. I do have a quote. Actually, I have a couple of mm. different quotes here from mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Joseph Malazzi. Mm-hmm. Uh, this first one comes in his season seven production diary. Uh, He says, I suggest the title Domino Effect. Paul Mully counters with System Crash. On Mm -hmm. we go through deadlock, paralysis, gridlock, no way back. We go back and forth for what seems like forever. Frustrated, fatigued, and borderline giddy, we begin scraping the bottom of the barrel. The titles grow increasingly ridiculous, bearing little, if any, relation to the story. Flashpoint, Dark Gambit, Twilight of Nevermore, then so (laughs) ridiculous. Ridiculously all-encompassing, they could apply to most any story ever written. Conflict. Stuff happens. Crossroads. Oh, (laughs) uh, we already used that one in season four. (laughs) It's not until the day after we hand in our script that Robert Cooper comes up with the title to our script, Avenger 2.0. Hmm. Yeah, 2.0. Continuing. Well, this is is a... uh, This is in a post on his blog. He says, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, in retrospect, the title was one of the best things about this episode. We shot Felger's apartment at the Accent Inn across the street from the Bridge Studios, where we Mm -hmm. also shot uh, Ronan and Shepard watching BSG on Motel TV. That would be in in a future Atlantis episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We shot the episode Teal Conjoying the Thousand Finger Massage in Point of No Return and the scene of Kinsey's shooting in Smoke and Mirrors. In the original script... Felger is painting his Warhammer figures, but the gang at Warhammer nixed the idea because they felt suggesting a character like him, i.e. a brilliant scientist, played Warhammer would depict the game in an unfavorable light. So we went with Stargate action figures (laughs) instead. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. 
Hey, folks at Warhammer, nerds play your game. The end. Okay, moving on. Okay. He continues. At one point in the episode, Felger makes reference to an old science professor of his named Mr. Hoffman. This was a salute to one of my own high school teachers, Mr. Hoffman, uh, a knowledgeable man in his own right. Once during a class, he informed me that the chocolate bar I was snacking on could contain a maximum of three hares and one rat turd, according to regulations set down by the Canadian Food and Drug Administration. Mm-hmm. For my part, I always avoided Charleston shoes, which seemed to allow for roughly twice that. hey <laughs> Oh, There you go. So those are some mm-hmm. uh, quotes on this episode by Joseph Malazzi. Mm-hmm. This episode in other languages, is entitled The Avenger in French. Mm. Uh, the Spanish call it uh, Avenger 2.0 uh, in mm-hmm. Spanish. The Germans uh, dubbed in English Avenger 2.0, as well as mm. the Hungary- Hungarians. The Czechs call it The Avenger. The Japanese mm. call it uh, mm. Avenger 2.0, uh, mm. mostly in... Uh, Katakana, which is the uh, l- l- alphabet the Japanese use in uh, for for foreign words. I was. I should get back into it. And I'm like, there's a no. I see the no. It's right there. There's no. Uh, and then there's but that one over there. That's the one. And I can't remember what the word for one is. But that's just one right there. Where's where's the two? There's no two. There's uh, no zero. So the so, so zero. The last ones are zero. Uh, that's oh, the- oh! They do it that way. Got it. Right. Got it. So they didn't. Yeah, uh, I see. I see. No. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. My Japanese is really, really bad. Uh, so. But the it, point is, the is point that is, I was there it is. There as, yeah, now. Yeah. I skipped one in there. The Italians. Oh yeah. Called this episode "Blocked Network." I mean, it is technically right on the nose, but yet it doesn't really give anything away. Not really. Uh, until you know what you're talking about. And in which case right. you're like, bonk, bonk on the head, head. Bonk, bonk. Well, bonk, bonk, bonk. <laughs> yep. All right. So shall we get into the synopsis for Avenger 2.0? Yeah, let's get into this. All right. Previously on Stargate SG-1. Two borderline inept scientists do, on the other side of the border, things trying to rescue SG-1. Remarkably, they manage to succeed and save the day. Yay! And now, one of those borderline inept scientists, a Dr. J. Felger, and his assistant, Dr. Chloe Angstrom, are working on a new plasma weapon that, if successful, could be added to the 303's artillery. Woohoo! Felger pines over SG-1. He wants nothing more than the approval of Colonel O'Neill and Major Samantha Carter. Suddenly, the two appear to witness a test of this new plasma weapon. Okay, everyone, stand behind the laser beam, you know, so no one will get hurt because you stand in front of the laser beam and they'll shoot you and they'll be bad. But stand behind it. Also, mm-hmm. wear your safety goggles. Remember, kids, always wear your safety goggles in the lab. It's important. Here's your safety goggle. Here's your safety goggle. There's no way that this plasma weapon designed to take down Google shields and or technology could possibly erupt in such a way as to render you dead or maimed for life. 
Here are your glasses. <laughs> we want to protect your eyesight. <laughs> Soon, Felger grabs the end of two plugs, and in mad scientist fashion, he slams <laughs> them together to activate the weapon. It glows. It powers up. It looks like it's doing something. It is doing something, all right. Sparks fly. Lights flicker. Smoke rolls out. The weapon dies, as do the lights throughout the entire base. Oops. It was not supposed to do that. No, no, no. Uh, bringing insult to injury, Felger is called to the principal's office. Uh, I mean, the general's office. Hammond is displeased, to say the least, with Felger's work. He's long on promise and short on results. And it's about time that Felger finds a new place to work. Mm-hmm. But wait! I got something, he says. Something, something big, something, something game-changing. Something that will take, oh, just a, a week to cross the I's and dot the T's. You have 24 hours. That'll be fine. I'll take it. And so... With a 24-hour deadline to change everything, Felger returns to his lab and to his assistant, Chloe. By the way, Chloe clearly thinks the world of Jay Felger and wishes he would actually notice her rather than mooning over the impossible Samantha Carter. Do not worry, dear listeners, for Felger is not without hope for long. He pulls out his great plan, Avenger! Trust me, it'll work! It'll work! It'll work! What is Avenger, you may ask? You mean, beside being the name of Felger's favorite superhero, it is a virus. No, not that virus. That's not for 20 plus years. <laughs> it is a virus that we could upload into the DHD of another gate that will scramble its dialing system and make the gate unusable. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Carter is interested. This virus has potential. O'Neill, on the other hand, couldn't care less. That evening, Carter visits Felger in his home. He's painting Stargate minis and has some SG-1 dolls lying around. And yes, people after seeing this episode wanted to buy those dolls, but you can't because they were special props made for this episode. Sorry, folks. Sorry. When he hears the doorbell, he panics! And that panic goes into overdrive when he realizes it's Carter at the door. Oh my goodness, it's Carl. Quickly, he puts his pants on backwards and invites her inside. (laughs) She's clearly a little uncomfortable in his place, and frankly, so is he. She informs him that she will be working with him on the Avenger project. For his part, Felger does a spit take and tries not to panic any more than he already is. The next day, O'Neill and Teal'c head off to a Rebel Jaffa meeting. Daniel is at this point in time already off-world on a planet that's dealing with flooding and rain. O'Neill invites Carter to join them, but she stays behind to work with Felger on the virus. Probably the best way to ensure that nothing goes wrong. Spoiler alert, something will go wrong. (laughs) Spoiler! Cue the montage. Nope. Nothing goes wrong here other than Felger's pining for Carter and Chloe's pining for Felger. When they're all done, they have a reworking prototype. The only thing left to do is to try it on a DHD. And what DHD are they going to try it on? But the one on Ball's primary Nequita Mines planet. Naturally. Naturally. 
you know, why not, you know, shoot for the moon when when you're trying to test something out here? I, I, anyway. Here is where things go wrong. O'Neill misses a scheduled check-in, and when the SGC dials him up to see what happened, O'Neill in, informs them that things were going well enough with the Jaffa rebels until somebody else did something bad, and then they couldn't dial the gate, and everything went bad. The gate does not work! Felger begins to panic, trying to keep things together. It's okay. We... It, uh, uh. It doesn't take long, and they realize that the whole gate system is going down. And what they what they didn't realize is that the correlative update system, which compensates for stellar drift within the DHD, was triggered by the Avenger virus, and now everything is broken, and it's all Felger's fault. Oh boy. <sighs> Hammond tries to get as many teams back before it's too late, but... After it's too late, there are still several teams stranded, including O'Neill and Teal'c and their team on the Jaffa Rebel planet, as well as Daniel in the rainstorm and the flooding, and, and then it's very bad. It's, it's very, very, very bad. Uh, fortunately, uh, since the SGC doesn't use a DHD, they still have the capacity to dial out. Woo! We, we have something. We have something. Uh, Felger is in full-on panic mode. But wait, wait, he's figured out a way to solve the problem. Trust you, Major, this is going to work. Sorry to rain on your parade, guys, but it didn't work. hey Um, plan B? If we go to Ball's Naquita Mine Planet and thing the things and poke the prods and spin the doodads, then we can fix the problem. Sounds great. Felger and Carter prepare to go. Chloe wishes Felger luck and hopes he returns soon with a kiss. Aww. Felger is flummoxed. On the planet, Felger does the things while Carter scouts the perimeter. And then Felger realizes that it's not Avenger that is causing the problem. I knew Avenger, Avenger just simply wasn't designed to do this. It's not my fault. Ball changed the Avenger virus. This is Avenger 2.0. Fortunately, that means Felger's Unfortunately, that means Felger's patch won't work. Oh, dear. Time to thing the different things and poke the different prods <laughs> and spin the other doodads. All while Carter, by herself, tries to fend off a squad of Jaffa with the Carter special. Things don't look too good for our heroes until an Alkesh appears out of nowhere and starts laying down cover fire for our heroes and scares the Jaffa away. Boo! Ah! Run! And who is flying the Alkesh? Naturally, it is O'Neill and Teal'c. Of course. Of course. Felger is overwhelmed at seeing them. He hugs the colonel, who is not so pleased by the gesture. Cut to Felger and Carter walking through the gate. The whole problem fixed and patched and protected. Avenger is dead. It's dead. Completely dead. It can't hurt anybody else. It's no. It's it's gone. We we have we have the the, the vaccine and it's 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 we're. Teal'c and O'Neill will be coming home via a different route, and they don't want to spoil the surprise for the colonel, for the general, so, uh, shh, mum's the word. Later, Felger daydreams. Chloe passionately kisses him. O'Neill and Carter walk in. Carter is incensed at the sight of, of, of Chloe and Jay kissing. Uh, 
Who are you? You trollop! And she attacks Chloe, and the two wrestle and wrestle and. Oh, ah, oh, ah! As O'Neill and Felger sit back in the chairs and watching. <laughs> Sorry, I had something caught in my throat. Yeah. The dream is disturbed when the real Chloe pokes Jay in the face and suggests that they get back to work. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Avenger 2.0. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I thought this one was cute. That was cute. It was fun. It was so tropey. It was so tropey, but it was well delivered. Um, you know, Patrick McKenna did a brilliant job with the character, as he does. And... The, the the tropey things worked fine. It was it by no means was it um uh it was nothing other than an enjoyable popcorn show. There was a couple of things that I caught in there. Um the stellar drift compensation thing I think kind of flies in the face of some other like aspect. Um I get it when we first had the ring we didn't have the DHD. We had to develop our own program. The reason why it didn't work right away is because we were imagining that the, the symbols correlate. Da, 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 we had to retranslate the thing. But if the DHDs are constantly updating the network based off of the original like constellations, then that shouldn't have been necessary. I'm overthinking it, but there it was. And it did get me to start overthinking about how fast information travels through the network. Like, really overthinking how fast information travels through the network because it is instantaneous. And that, my friends, that's a fun thing to think about. Must have some entanglement situations going on. And that is some serious technology stuff right there. But it's not um, quite instantaneous. They actually have to dial each other over and over. And then, you know, I dial you. It's it's, it's like the telephone game, right? I dial you. I, I dial three people. And then you three people dial three other people. And then you three people dial three other people. And then eventually everybody knows. Nah, Zach, you got to think bigger. Bigger. Big, okay. I'm talking I, about how when you're dialing another gate, it doesn't matter how far away it is, it starts dialing. Well, well yeah, well, that, that's, that's a whole thing. And, and frankly, in that regard, um, how would the, 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 the gate on the other side actually know that you're dialing that's what I'm them? At. That's what, yeah. So it can... In how we understand physics, it's it's possible to have entangled particles on one side and on the other, uh, so that when you start spinning this one this way, it spins that one the same the the opposite way, but instantaneously. And it's something that is really peculiar. And we're like, ah, why does it do that? That seems because it's it's moving faster than light, like by a long shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, nothing can move faster than light, but it clearly information can. Um, but anyway, bringing it back, bringing it back to this episode. I I don't know. I had fun. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say. Um. It was tropey as all get out, but it was fun. Um, the the problem and the solution to the problem were plausible enough, and the uh, elevation of the problem did seem a little like that. Does seem like it's outside of Ball's pay grade, um, and it does also seem outside of the pay grade that's a. Uh, a, a, a scientist who is an expert in presumably um, trying to think of what Felger would be in, uh, the, you know, he, he was doing a plasma weapon thing 
and uh, and then he suddenly switches over to computer code, and that's not impossible. But like you know, you're talking about polymath level stuff at that point, and it's like yeah. I know I know people who do physics stuff and they don't write code, and I know people who write code and they can't figure out physics. So it, uh, but it was fun. It was fun nonetheless. Um, and the yeah, just watching, just just watching McKenna play the role, uh, watching tapping play off of him, uh, watching uh, Davis play off of the two of them. It was fun. <laughs> I had a good time with it. Um, I, I'm trying to think of something more substantial to say about it. Uh, but I don't know if there really is much more substantial to say about it. I did find it cool how they figured out a way to, um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, obviously Christopher Judge and Richard Dean Anderson and Michael Shanks were unavailable broadly for this episode. And you explained the, the whys and the wherefores. But, you know, how they brought them in while it was plainly evident that they were you know, they, they didn't even shift in their seat when they were doing repeat scenes. Like <laughs> these are, these are things that are supposed to have taken place over like days in some case. And, 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 and Shanks is literally leaning into the camera in the exact same position as he was a minute ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it worked, it worked. And I, and I think part of the reason why I'm so uh, positive about this one is because in no way did I ever get the impression that it was trying to be more than what it was. It was going to be a fun show. It was just going to be a fun show about a relatable bumbling geek who is doing his best and failing and trying to deal with the results of that failure. And I did kind of, oh yeah, there was definitely a couple things. Like number one, I did kind of want him to accidentally have a flash of genius, right? Like he was described mid-episode as being rash and impulsive with his with his uh with his work, but but brilliant. And the rash impulsiveness gets him over his head. That's the problem. But wouldn't it have been kind of cool if his rash impulsiveness kind of had a moment where he figured it out and they can get their way back versus the weird thing like why 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 on earth would O'Neill and Teal'c say I know Hey, we've got an Alkesh that we just stole. Let's go over to this planet where they're mining Naquita for next to no good reason. We heard that the virus started over there. Wait, did they hear? Oh, no, they did hear. They, yeah, they, they did, did hear that that's yeah, where that's right. Felger that's right. and, and Carter that's right. went to. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. That's right. Never mind. I take that back. Um. So, yay. The, the day was saved. Uh, And that's fine. Um, But... Yeah, I'm shrugging my shoulders, Zach. I don't, I mean, what is there else to say? Well. What about you? Okay. What do you think? So, um, hang on, because I've got a lot of things to say about this episode. Oh, really? Uh, now, I like the cameras in this episode. The the work that, that Martin Wood does with the cameras and the scenes, you know, just long, steady cams and all of that stuff. And and I think that's just brilliant. I love it. Yeah. The scene when um, uh, Carter and Felger are on the bridge over the river and he's throwing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was all filmed in one take. I mean, they, they, they filmed it like, uh, like twice through, two or three times through, but... Um, they had three different cameras in three different places rolling, and they did that whole scene, and 
what you see is all one take except for one little transition thing where they stole it from something else, uh, which I think is mm. absolutely brilliant. I love it. And it makes for a great... So you have different shots as they cut back and forth from them, but everything lines up perfectly and smoothly, and it's clean. Uh, I love that. Uh, McKenna is absolutely hilarious. I, I mean, the the way he... Uh, jumps and and you know uh, there's that scene where where uh, Hammond and Carter are having a conversation and he says absolutely nothing but he's there in between them and he's just emoting and yep. he's like oh mm, mm, yeah exactly you know he's just doing all of these things and and that's just great I love it um, you know and as somebody who you know, is, you know, in, in my life has, has not always been as confident as perhaps I am now. Um, and you know, that, that idea of, of pining over somebody, uh, not quite seeing what's in front of you. Uh, it's super duper tropey and I don't mm -hmm. know if it's played well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, but it, it, it I, I can resonate with that, the, the desire to, to want to be important, to want to be seen as valuable, mm -hmm. uh, and feeling terribly inadequate in that. Um, I think that is realistic. Uh, I get that. Um, the, the, the story here of let's create a virus to take out a DHD is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's a great story, and it actually uh, continues... Uh, the, the some meta narratives going on here, just in general, uh, with new technologies and all stuff. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, by the end of the episode, they have to patch it up so that this is no longer a viable option anymore, uh, which mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, you talk about Felger's brilliance. Um, he actually gets Avenger to work and work properly. It's not his fault that he didn't quite think about how uh, a, a resourceful... Uh, gold system lord and his cronies may have been able to manipulate it for other purposes mm -hmm. um you know the the deus ex machina of of uh, o'neill and and uh, teal'c saving the day is fine uh blah 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 uh the 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 camera work in that last scene is absolutely brilliant and the way it's shot it's all shot in one uh, you know, one camera go, and you have all sorts of people moving around to make it happen, uh, to make this magical uh, oh, dream yeah. sequence change, um, and and it's it's brilliant in terms of its directing and its execution. Um, there's actually a scene earlier on when they're walking uh, through the hallway into the um, the meeting room. And the camera operator has to walk through the table because the table splits in half. And so he walks through the table and there's like seven people there pushing the table back and moving the chairs back into place after he's moved out. And then when the camera spins around again, you actually see one of those guys in the background wearing uh, an SG uniform with his mm. uh, back to the camera just kind of hanging out there because they didn't have anywhere else to go with him, which is, again, brilliant on Martin Wood's part. This is great. The comedy is fun. Uh, the, the scene with, uh, with uh, Felger and Carter in his apartment 
um, you know, the fact that he's working on minis and then he gets scared and, and then he puts the pants on wrong. And then you get this <laughs> idea that, you know, Amanda Tapping is trying her best not to burst out laughing because McKenna's physical comedy is absolutely off the charts. Yes. And, and it, it's great and all of this stuff. And then I watch it and I have to force myself to watch it. Ooh, interesting. I, I get bored halfway through and I'm oh, like, I believe that I'm like, I believe that uh, I was in it. I was in the story for sure because this was the first time that I've ever seen it, but I can definitely see how a rewatch this one doesn't because, ha- because I mean, it is what it is. It- um, and also, um, I know it's a dream sequence and you know, Carter would not act the way she does in that last scene. Frankly, neither would Chloe, probably. Um, right. uh, and it's all in Felger's head. Um, but that just does not... And it, I, I can't excuse it. I just can't excuse it. Yeah, that, that was super eye-rolling um, for me. I mean, you know, the, the, the directing and the acting and the way it was shot is brilliant. And on that level, I love it. They do a tremendous job of, of the, the dancing off the camera to make the magic on camera happen. Uh, you know, if you look carefully as the camera zooms in on Felger's face, uh, you can see O'Neill quickly just... Just for a moment, step out. You can see his shoulder shift in a way that's clearly he's moving out of the way because uh, uh, Jocelyn needs to get in there as Chloe mm-hmm. to poke him. Uh, you know, so that's but it, th- this is a scene that you know, frankly, just about every teenage boy uh, and possibly not teenage boy has had in their head. This is what happens mm-hmm. when you go through puberty. Um, but and. And on one level, I can recognize the normalization of just the way teenage boy brains work. I get that. And on the other hand, it is so objectifying. And to to see just this. You run run into a pretty big problem when you try to represent in film or television um, the fantasies of the mind. And the reason, in my opinion, why you run into the particular problem is that that uh, so, you know, obviously I'm going to be speaking 100 percent through my own lens and my own experience and someone else can have a different experience. But I'm I'm going to talk about it like in these absolute terms just to get us through it. But um, the that fantasies don't make sense. Um that that's half the reason why they're fantasies. Uh, and so, you know, in a fantasy, you can put together things that in a real world situation look crazy and don't go together at all. And not one rational person would look at it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, 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 no. But when when your mind bounces around into the what could be zone, um, it makes shortcuts. It makes weird assumptions. It it it, it puts people into into weird. Th- you focus on the things that you want to focus about because it's the fantasy, but it's not actually the thing that you would expect those people to be doing, and not even representative of how you value those people necessarily. But the minute you try to translate that into a film or television scene, you there's only one way to do it, and that's to show it with real people doing something that then, to your point makes it look um silly at best and terrible at worst um 
And so, yeah, that's why I was making the retching noises at the end and I was rolling my eyes. It's because, yeah, 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 we were looking at what is traditionally defined as the male fantasy of a couple of attractive women fighting over him and uh, the two men in the room going, hush, 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 just let it happen. Let them uh, let them let them tear themselves to pieces for our amusements, uh, both uh, both in in forms of ego and otherwise. La, 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 la. It just looks gross once you put it to screen. So, you know, I'm with you. I think that you could have done something different with that closeout. Um, they were trying to pay an homage to the end, to the closeout of uh, uh, the other guys and, um, you know, basically do it again. And in that grand sense, I think that would probably be something to at least try for to bookend it. But you don't have to do it. You don't you don't have to bookend it with the same joke that you made at the end of the other guys. You could have a different fantasy of power and influence. I mean, in the other guys, he was getting a medal and, you know, he was right up there on stage with everybody that had done the mission. And then he gets the big old smooch. And that's the moment where we're like, wait a minute, what's happening? And then he gets poked in the cheek by uh, Simon. And it's funny. And uh, that 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 worked out fine. This time around, I mean, like, <laughs> hey, spoiler, everybody, um, people who identify as men think about a lot of things other than just rolling around in the hay. Maybe there's some other power dynamic that he would have really liked to be dreaming about. Maybe maybe it, that 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 bookend would be some like clearly uh, over the top praise and assignment that um Hammond gives him, right? Hammond has been critical of him this entire episode. It would start to be like, whoa, what's going on? If Hammond was suddenly like gushing, even to the point of being out of character, if Don Davis was playing it like, like imagine if he was playing it with like, 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 like effervescence, Mm -hmm. um, like that level of enthusiasm, that would be bananas. And of course we'd be able to have him get poked in the face and we'd be right back to the, to the, to the joke. I mean, like it would have landed just as it would have landed as it was intended to land, oh, he's dreaming again. But yeah, Zach, you're right. Like, <laughs> I mean, they did fine with it, and you're right. The technical work was great, and the acting was fun. Um, and it is dumb. It's super tropey. But you know, you got a lot of power when you have a television show. You got to think about it for a minute before you before you show that. Yeah. So, and I'm right there with you. When when you watch the 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 commentary, you listen to the commentary because uh, the commentary was Martin Wood and Amanda Tapping talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also some some backstage uh, videos on the DVDs that I watched as well, uh, and it looks like the actors are you know having fun with it. They they are leaning heavily, particularly Amanda Tapping and uh, Jocelyn Lowen. Uh, are leaning heavily into the silliness of it all, and yes. and I get that. That's good. Um, and uh, it's just, it is my opinion that we, as people who are doing creative things, uh, need to pay attention to how what creative things we are doing is how they're being um, used and how they are being. Uh, visualized and seen you know i mean i I don't want to go quite so far as to say we as creative people need to pay attention to what other people have to say and think and and take responsibility for their thoughts and no yeah 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 but uh, at the same time um we also need to recognize that what we say actually says something and that what we say then matters 
And we need to take care in what we say and how we say it because it matters. There's, I'm willing to take it like one step back a little bit to give a little bit more grace. But in giving a little bit more grace, I also then say the consequences are what they are. The little bit more grace is, you know, I 100% agree with you, Zach. If a person has the ability to be cognizant of how their message is landing and they have the wherewithal to think about how this will be perceived and whether or not they want that message to keep going forward and they have the ability to adjust course, I say adjust your course. If none of those things seem to line up and suddenly that joke falls out of favor in society after 20 years, you got to live with the consequences. You made a bad joke 20 years ago. Does it mean you're going to make a bad joke now? Not necessarily, but I'm just saying that was a dumb joke. We don't have to like it. Like we don't have to sit here and defend it for all time. It's fine. It was viewed as okay to do. They had fun doing it. I'm glad they had fun doing it. They shot it well. They acted it well. I look at it now and I go barf. That's all there is to it. Like (laughs) there you go. There's the consequences. That joke doesn't land quite the way it used to. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. You want to take it a little further. And I also don't agree with you. I, I mean, I, you know, at the same time, I don't want to crucify anybody for a joke they did 20 years ago, nah. right? Right. That's not helpful. It's not good. Um, it's not useful. I, it, it doesn't do anything. Um, and I think I hear you saying, even 20 years ago, people had the ability to go, this is a little bit too much. We can do something different here. And the joke will still land, and we won't have to be doing the same old thing of objectifying women. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what I want to see, and, and of course, to be, now, now here is something that we as the United States, American society, Canadian society too, presumably, uh, possibly world society, 20 years ago, we certainly weren't at, um, we're, we're barely there right now, right? We don't know how to talk about masculinity in a way that doesn't objectify women. Yeah, uh, I, I'm and, and, totally willing to put an asterisk there, but I know what you're saying, and I'm yeah. We yes. we are getting better at that now, and 20 years ago we really were not quite in that same way. Now, uh, I'm also drawing very broad strokes, as you were mentioning earlier. Uh, it's not quite as stark as that. However, um, masculinity has been something that has objectified women for millennia. Mm-hmm. And we are only just now in the Western world, at least. Um, and by just now, I mean, you know, call it the last 20 to 40 years, really begun to ask the question, uh, what does masculinity look like in a way that isn't objectifying of women? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, in 2003... We had very bad answers to that question. To 20 years later, in 2022, we have hopefully some better answers to that. Totally. Um, I, I would... Oh, go ahead. No, no. So that's just where I was going. So I'm willing to be a bit more generous to human society, but only in this kind of vein, that um, uh, societal expectation of the relationship between men and women and what men will do and what women will do, how men should act and how women should act is a constantly evolving thing. It has been flexible for a very long time. 
um, it, it, the, the positive spin is, I don't think it has been quite so set in stone in that degree to so long. That's a narrative that we like to tell ourselves in order to give ourselves a bit of a pass because we have had examples of healthy relationships before we've chosen to ignore them. We've built a different relationship. It's hundreds of years old. It's steeped so deeply in our society. That it's not really, it's not like Somebody woke up one day and was all like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat my lady folk like bad people. Like, it's it's not that simple whatsoever. Uh, and I agree with you. We are, we are breaking those molds. We are thinking about it differently. We are people and we are engaging with people as people. And those people prefer to engage in certain types of actions and activities and thoughts and feelings in ways that do kind of put them into buckets and they like to be in those buckets. And that's, in my opinion, fine. I think there's a lot of fun in those types of buckets. But we don't have to necessarily be like, you, you, you over there. You need to wear these clothes, act this way, think these thoughts, and have those feelings. Anything else is not allowed. Go. Right? That's the garbage part. And this scene is a little bit of that garbage. It's like, all right, you two, you need to look like this, act like that, say these words, and then behave like this. And you two. You need to do these things, act this way, and say these lines. Wonderful. Now the balance is restored. Right? Like that, that, no. Gross. Stupid. Um, don't need to do it. Uh, to echo your earlier point, hey, creators, if you have a chance to think about that impact for a little bit, you don't necessarily have to go for the easy win. You can go for the joke. You can go for the joke even really well. Don't mail it in. Ha ha. See what I did there? Um. I see. And, you know, for us globally, yeah, we are absolutely uh, continuing to engage in the conversation that has spanned millennia about what people are, how they behave, how they should behave, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I'm losing steam. My soapbox kind of, you know, yep. I, I, I stepped off my soapbox, but, you know, so... <laughs> But the gist is basically the same, right? So, so, so for a person who watched this episode and uh, saw that scene and laughed heartily and waggled their eyebrows, and then you just heard me go, "Ew, gross!" Yeah, I am implying that if you liked that scene, you're gross. That is true. Then that doesn't feel good when you're like, uh, "Go shove it, Brent." Like, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to stand by my opinion all the way through. I'm not going to back off it. But I get it. Nobody likes to hear that. Um, and we participate in a society where that kind of a joke has been standard, where it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? Uh, I mean, no, I don't have to because half of the people that watch that thing probably thought it was gross and disgusting. It wasn't that funny of a joke. You could have told a better joke just because you tried to tell a joke doesn't mean I need to laugh, nor does we do, do we need to give you a pass on that one. Make better jokes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go toe to toe on this one. And apparently for an episode, I didn't have a lot to say about. I have a lot to say about it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Cool. All right. So I believe the time has come for you to tell me how many chevrons you are going to give Avenger 2.0. Yeah. How many chevrons? Um, so I did I did watch this episode with one version of a smile on my face throughout the whole thing. Um, I really did like watching Patrick McKenna play his role again as Dr. Felger or Felger or Folgers. It doesn't it does matter, but whatever. It, 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 we got three names. Um, and 
watching watching McKenna and tapping play off of each other was a lot of fun. Watching Davis get into this, it, it was they did a really good job. I really liked watching that dynamic go. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, the show was as tropey as you can get. They did a fine job for keeping almost every single one of the tropes, except for the very last one, to be right on the money. And 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 the delivery was what I expected, but the payoff was exactly what I wanted. And the timing was wonderful. And there were little there were little interpretations. Like I didn't notice that his pants were on backwards until he turned around at one point, at which point I noticed his pants were on backwards and I laughed out loud. Um, so... So, you know, there was definitely some things in there that were that were definitely gems. And the total story is a reset to zero. The total story was definitely interesting, but, you know, not all that much of an impactful thing. Yeah, the meta story was advanced because Ball apparently is more powerful than he was at the beginning of the episode. But that's like saying the clouds got a little bit darker since the, you know, like, sure, you can explain Ball getting more powerful 15 different ways. But there you go. This one happened. Um. I I think this is a five out of seven for me. Um, it's not stupid good, and it's not even like so good that I want to watch it again. I think it totally is a one and done, but I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. And if I watched it again, would I give it a five? No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it'd be much lower. I expect Zach, you will not be anywhere close to my five, but I had a fun time with this first with this first watching. Five out of seven for me. Cool. Um I have been wrestling, so I watched this episode last night, late mm-hmm. afternoon, something like that. And uh, since I watched it, I've been wrestling with with how many chevrons I'm going to go, and 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 I vacillated between such and such and such. You know, I mean, uh, you know, if you listened to my comments earlier and you stopped before I got to the final bit, you would have thought that that, that I would have like. You know, this would have been a five or a six or episode easily, mm, right? Yeah. And then, and then, then I kind of hit that turn, and 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 then you're like, oh, well, maybe this is a like a two episode or something like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I I'm still struggling to figure out where I want to place this um, because technically, I think the show is actually tremendous. I think Martin Wood does an outstanding job of directing this episode. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the way the camera is shot and the way the, the scenes are put together uh, is is brilliant and it's just really clever and I love it. And, you know, the jokes are fun. I mean, you know, Patrick McKenna is Patrick McKenna and he does that very yep. well and he plays Felger well and all of that stuff. But, but, uh, 3.5. I am going straight down the middle. Three and a half. Okay. Three and a half. Okay. Well, Brent. Yeah. We have oh, that, that, predictions. I get my act together. I was listening and not thinking about what I needed to do next, but I got to go to the Twitters. It's my yeah, job. You do have to go to the Twitter. I can't get to the Twitters because the host can't be found. Let me try that one more time. <laughs> Is this a me problem or a Twitter problem? Let's find a Let's let's choose a different browser. And then if I can't get this thing to work, then I'm going to pitch it right over to you. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's fine. We're going to try it. We're going to try it. Here we go. Here's the Twitter. Twitter.com and the site can't be reached again. Is this my internet? Is this the thing? All right, Zach, you do it. I'm going to try to see if I can get this. All right. Do something else. So while uh, you do that, I will co- go to the Facebooks and see what we have to say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, oh, Felger, 
What are you like with your pants on backwards and your messy short tie? You're so crazy. <laughs> it was a fun, different episode where we learn more about Stargate sciencey stuff. Four, four, and four. Four, four, and four? I presume that's his and ours. So he, yeah, because you got a three and a half. I did a five. So very close to being exactly in the middle. Yep, yep. Very close. Uh, I've got good news. I've got I've got Twitter working somehow. Oh, good. Some way. Well, do you want to so, hit Twitter? Um, I will hit Twitter. Now, here's the problem, though, is that like Twitter likes to show me things in ways that don't make sense because I'm an old man and I don't like technology. So let me go to my own dang tweet. And now I got the freaking reader view up here because Apple's trying to help me out. I don't want the reader view. There we go. Okay. We've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I don't get the triangle reference. So in my tweet, I said, so what do you think? Will Teal's tattoo be replaced with a triangularly shaped one? Isn't that what happens when an Avenger is upgraded to 2.0? How many chevrons do you think will give Stargate SG-1's episode Avenger 2.0? Maybe, uh, maybe I can explain it to him on the Discord. Oh, right. You want a prediction thingy. That's why I'm writing all this. Well, it was less fun than the other guys. But I think you'll enjoy it more than I did. So he's going to do one of, his, one of his combo things. You ready? Uh-huh. He thinks that between the two of us, who gave it eight and a half between the two of us, he thinks we're going to give it 10. Very close. Ooh. 10 total. So there you go. That was from Kevin. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. Well, uh, Kevin continues his uh, comments here on Facebook. And we'll go to mm-hmm. Kevin next. He says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. As I said earlier on Twitter, I wasn't a big fan of the other guys, and that holds true for this one as well. But as I was watching, I did happen to jot down a few thoughts. Number Mm -hmm. one, a quick Major Wood cameo early on. Blink Mm -hmm. and you'll miss it. I saw it. That's true. Number two, is that the same bridge that Colonel Cloneal went to on Fragile Balance? Hmm. I mean, probably, but I don't remember. Hmm. I don't know. Number three. Is finding a computer virus in a DHD more difficult than using control F? <laughs> I did. Um, I did have to kind of chuckle that um, we got a prop with like, you know, you know, two fake crystals, basically. Well, they're all fake, but you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, a, a couple of a proxy crystals with, a, with some wires plugged into, I think, what was the uh, keyboard and mouse port on that particular computer? <laughs> I can't remember the name. Remember, remember the round ones? I can't. It's like, it's like PC something or another. Oh, I can't remember. What the, yeah. The, you yeah. know, the old ones, though. Yeah. Like it was the right way up, et cetera. I'm pretty sure that's where the, where the ports were on that model because I had a model of that computer myself. So. So, so yeah, computer and mouse right there. Yeah. You can call, you can call the DHD an external computer or mouse or uh, a keyboard and mouse. I I imagine that's true. Sure. Uh, number four, hanky. What is hanky? Is that even a word? (laughs) What's that a reference to? Well, he says things are hanky. No, no, no. Yeah. But, uh, hanky is, is that even a word is a thing? I can't remember what the thing is. Well, um, I, I don't. I know that we see that in other guys where Felger says "hanky." Yes, and and Simon right. goes, "Is that even a word?" Is that even a word? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't know if that goes back anywhere else, but it is there. I don't think so. I think that's it. That's that's my memory. There you go. Uh, number five. 
How did none of the fragile DHD parts get damaged in that firefight? Especially when the Jaffa are like stormtroopers and hit everything except their target. <laughs> the power of plot. Overall, it was okay, but nothing great, except it got a few chuckles from you too. I'm going to guess a five from each of you, and an additional prediction that you'll like it better than next week's episode. Okay, all right, there we go. He got me right on the money. Uh, well, he, yeah, he. Uh, I panned this episode a little bit more than that. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's his comments to next week's episode. A low point of the season next week. Well... Let's just see how it goes. I hope you like Star Trek Enterprise. Maybe there's a big bug. You know, we will talk about next week's episode next week. Yes, Um, true. uh, We have uh, Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly predicts a three and a half from me. Ooh! And she says, we'll get to your prediction in just a minute. (gasps) Felger is at it again. Idea of the episode was decent, but felt too world-breaking, and the execution fell flat. And your prediction, three. Yeah. Ooh, gotcha. She well, did not think that right you now. would appreciate it as much as you did. Yeah. 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 Decent prediction. Well done getting Zach, though. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Okay, and now we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, hey, it's Folgers. Uh, Flagger? Uh, the one who's not <laughs> Dr. Flox. <laughs> Yeah, him. Him. Harold. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He's here to have inappropriate thoughts about his female colleagues and brilliant half-baked ideas that might break the entire Stargate system. Yep. Oops. Yep. Yep. Guess it's time for everyone to update their CVs and start checking the want ads. (laughs) Wanted. Brilliant scientist. (laughs) Apply within. Or maybe not. Folder, uh, finger, uh, Barkley uh, figures out Barkley. what the problem is and fixes it with a quick <laughs> bit of techno babble while managing to stay just barely on the right side of charming, not creepy. Uh, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Managing to stay just on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> One mistake and he'd be on the other side. <laughs> Oh, it's a fine line you're running there, uh, Folgers. Thank you, Roland, for, for, for putting into words kind of what I was trying to articulate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a moderately fun episode, especially if you like Patrick McKenna, but doesn't really mm-hmm. advance things much. Brent will give it a four, mm-hmm. and Zach Ooh, will give close. it a three and a half. Dang, people! See, Y'all are go. getting his thing on the mark. This nice. episode has an IMDb rating of 7.2, which is three chevrons, putting it in I, the bottom oh 25% yeah. of Stargate episodes Whoa. overall. Yeah. Ouch. There you go. And now we... People don't like uh, the, the flavor crystals, I guess. Well, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we do have some emails. Got mm-hmm. to sift through this here just a little bit. Um, we are going to start with Dan. Hi, Dan. Dan says, gee, Uncle Red, it sure would be great if that TV show I like would tell a story centered around me getting the girl. Uh, can't type Harold laugh here. <laughs> no, what was his laugh? Um, there's a snort in there, too. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, well, gee, Uncle Red, no, now I'm starting to sound like Scoopy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. Gorsh. But yeah, no, Patrick McKenna as Harold, and that it was so good. Ah, uh, so yes. good. 
Uh, <laughs> I think that might have been close to it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen red green enough to be able to identify that specifically. All right, Dan continues. I mean, it's Felger. What can you say? You can't have a serious re- re- review of this week. Uh, lessons to be learned. One, mm-hmm. get Felger out of there. Mm-hmm. Number two, <laughs> you may have to grow old, but you don't have to mature. Number three, vegetarian is an old Indian word for I don't hunt so good. Number four, when the going gets tough, switch to power tools. Or maybe these are things that we learned from Red Green. <laughs> duct tape. He brought duct tape. He does. Oh, man, that would have been a good homage. Yes, the DHD totally should have taken a hit. <laughs> and he should have busted out the roll of duct tape. <laughs> And it powers up. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Okay, that would have been funny. It would have yes, been world-breaking sure even more so than, than this, but it would have been funny. I think you could have hand-waved it like he got lucky putting these two halves of the thing together, but like, you know. <laughs> right. Number five. It doesn't matter what you think. If you were married, you'd know that. These are clearly <laughs> references to red-green. Number six, be generous with duct tape. Remember, spare the duct tape, spoil the job. (laughs) Yes, I just quoted several lines from the Red Green Show, sue me. (laughs) Once again, we have an episode that is just fun, uh, though this is the last time we have Patrick McKenna on. Spoiler for that, sorry. Parts of this episode actually do come back over the next couple of seasons. Also, spoiler, but hey, there you go. Something Harold did uh, mattered. So, uh, I forgot to mention that. Um, why can't Ball now use this? Period. Right? Sure, we patched the pat or patched the new thing. Do 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 do, and it went through the network. Da la la la. And he briefly mentions that he put something in there that'll never happen again. But apparently, Ball is much better at computer science than we give him credit for. Well, um, it, it the reason that. Uh, Ball doesn't do this again. Assuming Ball doesn't do this again. It's because he killed his computer scientist. <laughs> is because you have failed me. Felge- <laughs> you have failed me for the last time. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, I'm standing firm in my rating of a 6.5. Okay. He predicts a 7 from Brent and a 6 mm. from Zach. Not quite. Not quite. But yeah, I liked it. Yeah, he he continues. He closes with, if my scores are wrong, just remember, I'm a man. I can change (laughs) if I have to. (laughs) I guess. guess. (laughs) Man, that show. I forgot how like, you know, now I'm it's weird how like red green like, well, because it's self-deprecating. That's why. Right. That's half the. Okay. Anyway. Carrying on. All right. Now, we have Avenger 2.0 review from Mr. Justin. Okay. How many paragraphs is it? it uh, it's not too bad. Okay. All right. He must have been um, short on time. Yeah. <laughs> he was spending too much time trying to kill our characters. <laughs> trying and failing. Well, we were doing a good enough job trying to kill our characters we on our own. We did a fine job of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> to the point that I want to literally throw mine off a cliff. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm trying to decide if I should redeem my character, which is kind of what I want to do, or if I go the route, I think my character probably would go, which is totally dark side and kill oh, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, our characters are turning into bad people. They really yeah. should probably not. not they, they shouldn't survive the next time we get together. Indeed. Anyway, here's what Justin says. Yes. This is a little gift for my favorite neck-bowed Hawkeye. Harold had left Possum Lodge for a career in the Vancouver Air Force. After one encounter alongside RDA, his projects have been failing like dry ice duct-taped inside hip waiter. Oh, boy. Another cringeworthy representation of awkward male attraction was inflicted upon Major Carter. Either she missed SG-1's vacation planning... Or lost a bet. But in Mm. either case, she keeps Folgers at arm's length, which is appropriate for bad coffee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it ain't broke, you're not trying, seems to be the theme of the episode. While it is apparent that the SGC's knowledge of the gate network is as limited as Ranger Gord's knowledge of healthy relationships... It isn't as limited as Harold's knowledge of military operations. (laughs) Although, I'm sure the thought of surviving indefinitely isolated with Sam wasn't a part of his checker strategy when volunteering for the mission. <laughs> Their use of the rain machine to ratchet up the tension with Daniel and the others at, as well was well done. The people we cared about were going to be lost because Quando Omni Flunkus Moritati was filled with self-doubt like the everyman <laughs> hero that the trope called for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The RDA X Machina was perfectly timed, especially because they MacGyvered a fix to the virus Ooh. that can Ooh. only that I can only assume balls ants re-engineered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it has to do with his insects, which, which, which obviously did not survive the encounter because obviously they're frail. Not, but as his uncle always says, if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find at least you handy. Handy. Yep. At least he didn't get tarred and feathered like Charlie Cowell did when he was selling anvils. <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brent is going to give this four rolls of duct tape. Mm, Zach, uh, whose firm gives no credit, especially in River City. See, the Charles Cowell is actually, I think, a uh, uh, music man reverence. reference. Oh, gotcha. Um, we'll give it a three and a half. Got, gotcha. Oh, boy. Everyone knew? They, they all had a bead uh, on what you were going to give. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and now we have David. Hi, David. Chevron Inc. We're sorry, the Chevron you've dialed cannot be reached at this time. <laughs> Please hang up your network and try again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. David says, fun one-off story with implications. Implications about how easy it is to take down the entire gate network, about how the Stargates really work, about how it might be possible to do something to all gates at the same time. Maybe this will come up again at some point. Maybe not. (laughs) 
hey y'all, your 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 coy attempts at play at being at being somewhat spoilery have now combined to create actual spoiler. <laughs> you know, let's be honest, Brent. It is not outside the realm of possibility for both me and David, and frankly, several of our listeners, to come up with the same joke all on oh, yeah. our own. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's just, it's extremely charging. Remember, I've said this before. I'll bring it up again. You all, all of you and I are at two different sides of this project. <laughs> like, I have the enormous privilege of having a lot of people <laughs> talking about something that I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, accidentally toes get stepped on and it's hilarious to me, but it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying the heck out of this thing. So what else does David accidentally spoil? <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out, and that is for me to continue reading. Yes. All right. He continues. The real question, though, is what programming language does a DHD use, and why is it so easy for an Earthbound programmer to hack an alien device? Sure, he could rewrite code locally. Hey, hey, it's written in Python! Hey-oh! It only works with Apophis, I guess, but whatever. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, but the Google didn't actually write that language. They wrote Objectify C. Hey <laughs> Sorry. Shall, shall I continue? Folgers wrote Java, though. All right. So. <laughs> Are you quite done yet? There's probably one more in there, so you might as well just get it out. No, I can't think of it. The, the Fulgers writes in Java, though, one just did it for me. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, carry on, carry on, carry on. Uh, we'll, 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 okay, so he continues. Sure, he could rewrite code locally on the SGC supercomputers, but that's a completely different system mm-hmm. OS language from the DHDs. Also, when did Felger become a programmer? Earlier, he was working on lasers, and before that, he was on a dig on another planet? Is he just a jack-of-all-trade scientician? A less capable (laughs) buckaroo bonsai? Uh, Never mind. This episode is just terrible if you think about it too much. (laughs) Don't think about it too much. (laughs) Which is why I choose not to think about it too much. There we go. Brent will give it six chevrons. Close. Because he also chooses not to think about it too much. Yes. Zach will give it... there. (laughs) Zach will give it five chevrons because repeat viewings bring out the ridiculous concept of this story. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, you are right that that, that repeat viewings do bring out more ridiculous, and yet the more more ridiculous... yeah, no. Mm-mm. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So those were our predictions. Nice. And I say thank you, everybody, for those. Those yes, are awesome. Yes, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And now, Brent. Yeah. It is time for the episode that Kevin thinks is absolutely horrific. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the name of this episode that Kevin thinks is absolutely awful is Birthright. 
because there's nothing more bad than a birth gone right. I got nothing there. That was... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so long as I'm calling him as I see him, that was a swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> you know... You can never hit the ball every time. Not every time. Even the best hitters only do it about four-tenths of the time. And when I was playing baseball, admittedly 38 years ago or so, Mm -hmm. um, I was too afraid to even swing the bat. I would get up there and I'm like, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. But if you hit me, I get to go to the first base. So, okay, don't hit me. Just just keep throwing. My my problem when I was playing Little League was that I... um, and I think this is why I had a problem is because I'm also a musician. And so I would always let the first pass go or the first pass, the first pitch go by me. But at that point I had the rhythm in my head between when the ball was released and when it hit the catcher catcher's mitt, as in the time was bop, bop, whatever, you know, however long it took to go from mound to, to catcher. And I would swing on the beat. <laughs> <laughs> When you swing, when the ball is in the mitt, you always miss. <laughs> You're like, boom, swing, oh. and he goes, no, you got to, you got to swing just a smidge before that. Yeah, I mean, and 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 uh, though I only uh, played, so I think I played little league two two years, I, not not long. Um, uh, it, it, the my my batting started to get a little better at the very end of the season when the coach was like, Brent, you're swinging too late. Like, you know, swing a little earlier. And so, but it was, it was so, it, it didn't even feel right to be moving the bat on the time when I should have. And, and since then, I mean, I've done like little softball things here and there. I've never had the problem since because I'm trying to swing the bat to hit the ball, not swing the bat to hit the beat. (laughs) In any case. Yes. This episode is called birthright. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me what birthright is all about. Birthright. 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 Okay. All right. <clears throat> I would just like to point out that Kevin thinks this is birth wrong. Birth wrong. I see. Sorry. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. Uh, This is a world where the alien sentient species looks nothing like us at all. They seem to have gigantic forms. Every time they seem to meet a a person that is a member of this world that they think is the largest they've ever seen, they somehow find another one that's even larger. This is the most peculiar planet we have visited yet, and we visited some peculiar ones. How could this species exist? It is a peculiarity that is unexplainable. We have understood through biological sciences that there are indeed some physical limitations to life as we know it. You can't get bigger than X and survive. Yet here is living evidence to the contrary. Puzzled by this mystery, our team investigate further, and they find the nature of this amazing ability. And it seems to be very wrong. It seems as if these creatures are not indeed born in natural ways. No, they are made in the same way that ships are made, piece by piece, with rivets and welding. And how is this possible? And who is that over there? Is it a shipwright? No, no, it is a birthright. Join us (laughs) next time for Stargate SG-1. Birthright. (laughs) Ha <sighs> ha!
Oh, yeah? Boy. What do you think? I, I, I would be fascinated to watch that episode. I was going to say, I think that's a pretty fun sci-fi episode I just came up with. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I doubt, I doubt that's what, I don't think, I, I think this, I think this, we might be birth wrong here. I, I think we're birth wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we watch the promo that David so very kindly made for us? Yes, I am ready to watch the promo that David so kindly made for us. Okay, then I'm going to hit play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Smoke. And... Warriors? Warriors. For many of the young, this is the first time they've seen men. A lock decreed that only male children would be allowed to live. Only they could strengthen his armies and lead him to victory in the War of the Gods. I have asked you here so that, that I may propose an alliance. Yes. I wish to know if I am to challenge Ishta's leadership. Technically, it's Ishta. Me. Oh, yeah, sorry. Tilk has taken the drug. He stands here before you as evidence. I am asking for four volunteers okay. to travel with me to the Tory. To it's test all its next time on Stargate SG. Huh. Okay. So we're going to have a world of uh, Jaffa who are going to look to try to get off of the get off the get off the snakes. We will have to wait till next week to find out. I see. Okay. Um but thank you again to David for that and thank you all for yes, listening. Thank you, David. And bringing in your comments. If there is something that we missed about this episode or any episode or whatever, please let us know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestarget at gmail.com or going to Twitter mm-hmm. or the Facebooks or the Discords or wherever it is that you go. Uh, and if you want to support the show, go to Patreon, all of that stuff. Woohoo! This has been Ooh. a great episode. Thanks to you, dear listeners, and to you, Brent. And, yes. you know, that's awesome. Thank you, Zach. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And with that, I say, <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.